Ricky Gervais mashes Hollywood. Iran ratches up the rhetoric, and so does President Trump. And Democratic 2020 candidates struggle for a response. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. 2020, starting off with a bang. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. How many times I got to tell you this? Expressvpn.com slash Ben. Go check them out. All righty. So we will get to everything in the Iran news. The reason that we will delay that for just a moment is because something actually fun happened last night. I know when we talk politics, usually it's very grumpy. Usually it's about all the terrible things happening in the world, all the stresses happening in the world. Believe me, we'll get to all the stress. We'll get to the 2020 election. We'll get to the situation with Iran, which the media are, are playing up. I mean, they really are. They are playing up everything as though we are at, at crisis level 10, right? As though we've gone all the way down to DEFCON 1. Like we are, we, are, we are all the way at the brink of world war. That is not the case. They're taking headlines and they're exaggerating those headlines. They're taking stories and then they're making more of the stories than, than is reality. So you're seeing stories about the reinstitution of the draft. Sure. Yes, guys, we're going to reinstitute the draft in order to fight Iran. Yes, I'm, I'm sure that's that's right around the corner. You're seeing stories about the Iraqi parliament voting to expel the American. Again, no, that's that's not really the story. We'll get to all that in just a second. Suffice it to say, the media are driving a lot of the wartime escalation rhetoric that is happening right now. Now, President Trump is attempting to reestablish deterrence. President Trump is is doing a very, very rudimentary take on mutually assured destruction and deterrence right here. And it's driving people on the left nuts, not because they don't like his language. They don't, but because they don't like the underlying policy. And they don't like the fact that Trump is brusque and that Trump says something that in ways the common man can understand. They would prefer that everything be stated in perfectly statesmanlike fashion. But what they really don't like is the message that he's conveying, not how he is conveying the message. We'll get to all of that in just a second, but we first have to talk about something that was actually fun that happened last night. So the Golden Globes happened last night. Now, I am not one to watch the Golden Globes. So I will admit, I was not watching this thing live. Instead, I started to see Ricky Gervais trending. And whenever Ricky Gervais hosts one of these shows, you know that it's going to be at the very least amusing and maybe better than that because Ricky Gervais does not give any bleeps. He does not care at all about the Hollywood crowd. He finds them self-serving. He finds them off-putting. He thinks they're ridiculous because they are. Okay, and last night at the Golden Globes, Ricky Gervais just took Hollywood and threw them in a meat grinder a la Fargo. He just took the leading members and they were so angry about it. The cutaways to Ricky Gervais's jokes were better than his jokes because the cutaways were all to members of the Hollywood crowd not being able to laugh at themselves on any level, sitting there stone-faced as Ricky Gervais just tore them apart. It was wonderful. It was what America has been waiting for. Ricky Gervais 2020, man, because it was just spectacular. We'll get to that in just one second. First, Let's talk about why you need the Second Amendment. I mean, the real reason that you need, you need the Second Amendment is to ensure not only that you are safe, but also to ensure that your rights are protected. This is the reason why the Founding Fathers enshrined the Second Amendment right after the first, because they understood that the true guarantor of American freedom was an armed population abiding by the law and defending its rights. Well, if you are a law-abiding citizen, well, maybe you're looking to buy a great rifle. And if you're looking to buy a great rifle, you need to work with my friends over at bravocompanymfg.com. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility, and so is building rifles. Started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago, Bravo Company Manufacturing, BCM for short, built a professional-grade product built to combat standards. Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, and manufacture life-saving equipment. The people at BCM assume that when a rifle leaves their shop, it will, in fact, be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas, which is a good assumption. In fact, is I'm not buying a gun so that I can go hunting. I'm not a hunter. 
I'm buying a gun because I want to make sure that I'm safe and my rights are safe. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com where you can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com. If you need more convincing, find out even more about BCM and the awesome people who make their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Again, that's youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Well, if you are one of the millions, hundreds of millions of Americans who are irritated by Hollywood celebrities mouthing off on politics, who are irritated by the fact that these Hollywood celebrities declare themselves our moral betters, that these Hollywood celebrities act like socialists while earning like capitalists, that they live high on the hog while they drink their swill and down their steaks and eat their foie gras, and then they turn around and tell all of us that our consumptive habits are simply too much. While they live in these mansions in, in Malibu while proclaiming that people who are in the suburbs of Los Angeles should simply allow homeless people sleep on their doorsteps with open needles. These same people who lecture us day in and day out are some of the most derelict moral characters on planet Earth. And they're, they're the people who will look the other way so long as it profits them. They're people who will fully ignore all of the horror that goes around them, the, the human carnage that goes around them every day in Hollywood. I'm speaking particularly about the treatment of women or Hollywood basically allowed that to go on for decades on end. There's literally a statue of a casting couch in the middle of Beverly Hills, California, because the casting couch was so prevalent in Hollywood. These same people who are willing to work for any company so long as they get their buck, who are willing to take a private jet anywhere, these same people will lecture you on global warming and how you really need to set your thermostat differently in the wintertime. Well, Ricky Gervais was having none of it last night. And the, the nice thing about Ricky Gervais is that he's from outside the country. So because Ricky Gervais is British, that means that he is allowed a certain amount of scorn for the Hollywood celebs. Being a foreigner gives you a certain amount of credibility when you speak about Americans and their ridiculous habits. And so Ricky Gervais coming to the United States, obviously very funny dude, and he just went at Hollywood last night, hammer and tongs, and they couldn't help themselves because Ricky Gervais went after them for being self-aggrandizing and self-serving and awful. And then they would promptly get up and give speeches proving that they were self-aggrandizing and self-serving and awful. And they shouldn't be trusted on any moral level. They shouldn't be trusted on any political level. Okay, so that's a pretty good pitch for Ricky Gervais. By the way, the media, many of them went nuts on him last night. Slate had an entire piece about how mean he was. He's so mean. I'm amazed that's, that, that so many on the left are now very, very much upset with comedians being mean. Literally, they will, they will praise any comedian who figuratively takes a dump on President Trump's head. But if Ricky Gervais says one unkind word about the Hollywood glitterati, then he's a very bad man. There's Vox printed an entire piece about Ricky Gervais's bad old tweets because they're trying to get him canceled the same way that they got Kevin Hart canceled from the Oscars. Well, Ricky Gervais, again, because he's not subject to their whims, he just went directly at all of these people last night. And he did so in a variety of ways. It was pretty spectacular. So uh, here are a couple of examples. First, he went after Hollywood for the Jeffrey Epstein associations. He made a Jeffrey Epstein joke. A Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself joke. Now, as you know, every Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself joke is a funny joke. There is no such thing as an unfunny Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> didn't kill himself joke. And so Ricky Gervais drops one and the people in the room are stone faced. How dare he? It's so offensive. How could he make a Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself? joke? First of all, that's like the least offensive joke in the world. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself is a very, very not offensive joke. That he makes this joke and everybody in the room is like, ooh, ah, uh, and then he drops the hammer on them. Um, season two is on the way, so in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself, just like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Shut up. 
I know he's your friend, but I don't care. <laughs> you had to make your own way here in your own plane, didn't you? <laughs> and some of them are laughing, but it's a very awkward laugh. Like, the only person in the audience who's truly laughing at all the jokes is Adam Driver, who seems to be a delightful human being. I kind, of, I kind of like Adam. Like Adam Driver actually is like, yeah, this is kind of funny. Everybody else in the audience is like, uh, I'm laughing in spite of myself. There's the girl from the the woman from the Gilmore Girls uh, giving the the very the very upset face. How could he tell a Jeffrey Epstein joke and point out that we hang out with the world's worst human beings? How how could he just okay the best part? Okay, then he then he dropped the real bomb. Okay, at the very end of this eight minute monologue where he just ripped Hollywood up and down, he then turned to the moral character of the people in Hollywood. And he said, you guys got to stop lecturing us because let's be real about this. You guys have no moral grounds upon which to stand. Tim Cook was in the audience because of Apple TV and Ricky Gervais just took out a machete and went after everyone in the audience. My goodness. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. And- <laughs> okay, and the part is bleeped out as he tells them to F off. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. Okay, we've uh, all of America becomes Meg Ryan in the diner scene and when Harry met Sally. Excellent job, Ricky Gervais. Correct, correct. Because listening to all of these pompous asses lecture all of us about morality while they're on their ninth wife, while flying in private jets all around the world, lecturing us about our consumption habits, while they work for companies that they decry as brutal and awful. The same people who will, who will champion AOC trying to get Amazon kicked out of New York will work for Amazon when it comes to Amazon Prime. Right? The, all of these people are hypocrites beyond belief. And not only are they hypocrites, here's the thing about being a hypocrite. They're not just hypocrites. It's that they are hypocrites who hold themselves to a different standard than everybody else. So the left likes to talk a lot about hypocrisy where you have a standard, but you don't live up to that standard. That's not hypocrisy. That's called just being a human being. Having a standard and then not holding yourself to the standard and believing it is righteous not to hold yourself to a standard, that is the kind of hypocrisy that Hollywood constantly engages in. And Ricky Gervais just says it out loud. You know, the funniest part about the Golden Globes is that then all of these actors and actresses got up and did the exact thing that Ricky Gervais told them not to do. Like the exact thing. They got up and they lectured us all on politics when they have no clue what's going on in the real world, when they have no relationship with the vast majority of Americans, when their morals are 180 degrees polar opposite from what most Americans believe and feel is right. So Ricky Gervais sets the stage and then all of these people just proceed to fall right in the trap. I'm gonna show you that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you must be on top of your own business if you wish your business to remain profitable and successful. At Daily Wire, we have an entire finance and accounting department to track all the numbers, but you might not have that, right? You might have a small company, you can't afford an entire department, It makes sense and it requires you to have an integrated system for all of your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem that growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is that there are a lot of different systems you've been using on an ad hoc basis as you build your business for years. Well, now it's time to get integrated with NetSuite. With NetSuite by Oracle, it's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you 
the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time and money and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance and accounting, orders and HR instantly directly from your desktop or phone. This is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Managing a business without understanding your numbers, huge mistake. You're going to lose a lot of money and a lot of time through the cracks. Instead, you need NetSuite.com slash Shapiro. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at NetSuite.com slash Shapiro. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash Shapiro. NetSuite.com slash Shapiro to download that free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. Again, NetSuite.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so then all of these Hollywood idiots get up and proceed to do exactly what Ricky Gervais told them not to do. Lecture Americans based on their lack of knowledge and this this self-assured sense that they are speaking on behalf of most Americans. So Michelle Williams gets up, her hair dyed Marilyn Monroe platinum and wearing apparently a garbage bag on her shoulder. I don't know, I don't know what that's, maybe that has some meaning. If it doesn't, then this is just a hideous dress. In any case, Michelle Williams gets up and she starts lecturing the public on abortion. Okay, now, what's hilarious about this is you just heard Ricky Gervais said, most of you have less education than Greta Thunberg. This is literally true of Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams dropped out of school at 15. She dropped out of school at 15 at the behest of her parents, and then she declared herself in, she, she declared herself free from her parents, right? She actually filed legal forms so that she could be removed from the care of her parents with their permission so that she could work as an underage actress and avoid child labor laws. And so the same left that will declare that it's the right that wants children to work will then cheer people who declare themselves independent at age 15 so that they can go work in Hollywood, making whatever schmutz they decide to make. So Michelle Williams gets up, this person who, again, has no relationship with people in, in the real world, and she explains on behalf of women everywhere that what is deeply necessary is abortion, that she would not be where she is at right now without abortion. Okay, let me just say this. If you're talking about the strength of women and your suggestion is that female strength is so great that you just need to kill a few babies in order to get ahead, let me suggest that is not a case for female independence and strength. Here's Michelle Williams wearing a a dress directly from like the Hare Krishna in the 1970s and a garbage bag on her left shoulder explaining about abortion. I've tried my very best to live a life of my own making, not just a series of events that happened to me, but one that I could stand back and look at and recognize my handwriting all over, sometimes messy and scrawling, sometimes careful and precise, but one that I had carved with my own hand. And I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose. Thank God or whomever you pray to that we live in a country founded on the principle that I am free to live by my faith and you are free to live by yours. So women, 18 to 118, when it is time to vote, please do so in your own self-interest. Right on the verge of tears, always on the verge of tears because of sincerity. Sincerity. Killing babies is sincerity. And then I love the cutaways to all the women looking so, so serious. The cutaways, again, are the best part of this show. Right? The cutaways, Glenn Close looking on. Yes, yes. Without abortion, I wouldn't have been able to boil a rabbit. Without abortion, I wouldn't have been on damages. And then some young woman I've never seen before. And then you've got the cutaways of all the women looking very serious, so serious. And then you've got the cutaway of Michelle Pfeiffer just gazing into camera. This, because this is so meaningful. It's so meaningful when Michelle Williams, an extraordinarily rich and famous and beautiful woman, says that she would not be where she is at without having employed the right to choose, which I assume means that she had an abortion. So now she's making the case that 
she would not be where she is at, namely rich and famous without a dead body along her way. (laughs) That's not a great case for your own independence and moral superiority. And if you're thanking God for your abortion, your ability to get an abortion, let me suggest that it ain't God you're talking to right there. That ain't God you're talking about. It's something else. It's your own ego that you're worshiping. And again, Michelle Williams fulfilling everything that Ricky Gervais said not to do. And then it wasn't just Michelle Williams, whose bizarro world, Patricia Arquette, who is a who's a weirdo, who showed up wearing a pair of sunglasses apparently purchased at the Disney accessory store. And she won for a, a show called The Act, I guess. She won Best Supporting Actress. And so she decided that she was going to lecture Americans also, but she was going to lecture Americans about Trump because that's what that's what everybody loves. What people love most of all, if you want to convince Americans not to vote for Trump, what you need is more empty headed, idiotic actors and actresses from Hollywood who have no relationship with anyone who lives between Los Angeles and New York wearing sunglasses in the middle of the night on a well-lit stage explaining that President Trump is a very, very bad man who's very bad and orange and bad. We're not going to look back on this night in the history books. We will see a country on the brink of war, the United States of America, a president tweeting out a threat of 52 bombs, including cultural sites. Young people risking their lives traveling across the world, people not knowing if bombs are going to drop on their kids' heads. And the continent of Australia on fire. What the F is she talking about? And also, did she steal those glasses from Bono's closet? And also, why is everyone in the audience so serious about this? Like, no one in the audience is just rolling their eyes? No one? All these same people, like, I I love this. All the same people, Trump is an unserious person. He's an unserious president. Very unserious. We need a serious man in office. You know who should lead the way? Patricia Arquette. That's what we need. We need more celebrities, more celebrities who are going to tell us what to do. You built this, guys. Okay, you you want to know how Trump became president? Because of you, because of you, because you worshipped celebrity. You made Barack Obama, who was a politician, into a celebrity. You gave him a Netflix deal. You turned all of your favorite politicians into celebrities and all of your favorite celebrities into politicians. And then you are shocked when Americans respond by electing a celebrity to the presidency who just happens not to agree with you. Don't give me the, oh, we need we need people who are well-spoken. You're sitting there cheering Patricia Arquette who couldn't string a sentence together if it was scripted for her. She barely can when it is scripted for her. You're sitting there cheering Michelle Williams, who, again, dropped out of school at age 15 to pursue her acting career as some sort of political leader. You guys are looking for your moral guidance to the ladies of Charmed, Rose McGowan and Alyssa Milano. These are the people you prop up and they're like, oh, well, you know, Trump, Yes, because of you. Because of you. This is because of you. Okay, so you guys brought this on yourselves. You brought this on yourselves. And it is smarmy. And it is gross. And it is disgusting. I've said this many times since Trump's election. Patricia Arquette is why you got Trump. Michelle Williams is why you got Trump. Because the rest of the country feels like Ricky Gervais here. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. When I say shut up, I don't mean you don't have the right to say what you want to say. You have the right to say what you want to say. But you're idiots. And you don't know what you're talking about. And it doesn't give you added credibility in what you're talking about because you are good at acting words that other people write. It does not give you added credibility to speak on tub- on topics of public importance simply because you throw a football like Colin Kaepernick into a pick six. It doesn't matter. Okay, no one cares. And so Trump is just a giant middle finger, right? He's always been a pulsating giant middle finger. And don't worry, we'll get to more of this pulsating giant middle finger when it comes to Iran policy because it turns out that celebrities also 
have been sounding off not just at the Golden Globes, but more broadly about Trump's Iran policy. Because when I think of well, 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 sort of considered Iran policy, the first place I look theoretically is to people like Cardi B and Colin Kaepernick. Those are the places that I look. America is Ricky Gervais. Okay, Ricky Gervais's take on this was exactly right. We're going to get to the most brutal Ricky Gervais hit of all at the Golden Globes last night. First, let's talk about how you can make your employees better. So let's say that you had an employee. Let's say that his name was, I don't know, Ryan. And let's say that one day this Ryan just decided, you know what? It's a really early show. We get up early in the morning to do the show. And guess what? I was out late last night and my alarm didn't work. And I'm just going to show up like an hour late to work. And, you know, everybody else will pick up the slack. And maybe he feels bad. But you know what? You know what? So you're like, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. See, this is the nice thing about our ZipRecruiter ads. They provide me not only with an ability to get you to recruit better people for your business, but for me to threaten my employees with the possibility of unemployment. ZipRecruiter.com. It sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates, so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. And make sure that when you put in the requirements for jobs, make sure that you put in being prompt, Ryan. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. And so Ricky Gervais's Final joke here was the best jokes on his way out. <laughs> he was so irritated with the whole process, and it was quite wonderful. So he he's talking here about uh, about the the movies that have been nominated in the in the horror category, I believe. And so he's talking about Bird Box, and he just levels Hollywood. It's fantastic. Next presenter starred in Netflix's Bird Box, a movie where people survive by acting like they don't see a thing, sort of like working for Harvey Weinstein. You did it. You, I didn't. You did it. <laughs> and you can hear people like, oh, oh, oh. What are you owing about? He's right. You did it, you, you pieces of crap. You're the ones who spent 30 years taking Harvey Weinstein's checks while allowing him to peek down your blouse and or allowing him to peek down other people's blouses. And then some of you come for like, again, I, I have nothing but sympathy for the women who have actually come forward. But there are a bunch of women who didn't come forward and or protected Harvey Weinstein knowing that he did this stuff or he did it to them. And then they came out and protected him for years because he was signing checks to them. So no, don't get, Hollywood does not get to stand on its high horse about Me Too. Hollywood does not get to stand on its high horse about global warming. Honestly, the only person who was, who was even decent in these political speeches last night was Joaquin Phoenix, who got played off the stage when he suggested that people in Hollywood stop taking private jets everywhere. Joaquin Phoenix may be a nut, but at least he's a nut who's trying to hold himself to a standard. I, Ricky Gervais' hit on Hollywood, it, it does underscore what our politics truly is about these days because it really is not about the complexity of politics. It really is about this cultural divide. You know, culture, the culture wars have become extremely hard fought. Now, a lot more hard fought in the last 20 years, 25 years than they were for many decades before that. Why? Well, culture is usually the, vast vest, the last vestige of unity. So when you have a common philosophy, culture, history, then culture tends to be the easiest place to unify because you can argue about TV, you can argue about sports, really, you can argue about like the, the products that you're wearing. That's the stuff that's easy. The stuff that's hard is philosophy and history and all the stuff that, that undergirds a successful civilization. But when all of those other things fall away, 
And the last thing that we can unify about is culture. And then culture starts to be polarized. We end up in these culture wars where we're fighting. And you can see with each successive Oscars, each successive Golden Globes, you can see that Hollywood is exacerbating those culture wars. And Ricky Gervais just put a pin in it last night. I mean, he, he really just exposed it, ripped it wide open. He made another joke that I don't think we actually had a chance to pull, where he was talking about the woke nature of Hollywood. And he was saying that he was going to do an in-memoriam segment last night, but he saw that there were too many dead white people. And he said, well, I'm not going to do that. That's not diverse enough. That's not that I'm not going to be the one who does that. And people in the audience didn't know whether to laugh or not, because what he is laughing at is their ridiculous insistence that every single part has to be given to a person who is of the actual physical description in the in the in the script. So if it's a disabled person, it can't be a, a person who is non-disabled playing a disabled person, which is called acting. He's, he's laughing at the fact that Hollywood has declared that the only way that they can find some sort of moral recompense for what they do is by hiring a certain percentage of black or gay or female actors, and that you have to have a certain percentage of black or female or gay lines in a particular script in order to make that script morally praiseworthy. It, Ricky Gervais is right about all this. Hollywood has been at the forefront of the culture wars. And, and then they declare themselves on the defensive. Oh, how dare these right-wingers like Trump? They're always involved in the culture wars. You launched it. Trump is just responding. So is the rest of America. And Gervais, honestly, like people on the right were cheering last night. Gervais is not a Republican. Like I've seen no evidence that Gervais is a conservative or a Republican. He just has eyes. That's all. He has eyes and he has a brain. And so he can see how ridiculous these people in Hollywood are. And they are ridiculous, pretending to be our moral betters. Just absurdity. Okay. Meanwhile, on to the more serious news of the day. So the situation over Iran is intensifying, but in reality, the, the possibility of violence with Iran has actually decreased, not increased over the past 24 hours. So if you watch the media, what you're seeing is that the possibility of violence, overt violence, war with Iran is increasing radically and that the United States is going to go to overt war with Iran. First of all, President Trump does not want this. Anyone who tells you difference is lying to you, lying overtly to your face. Okay, Trump does not want this. This cuts against everything Trump's believe, Trump believes about the Middle East. He's been consistent on one thing and one thing only over the last 10 years, and that is he does not like involvement in the Middle East. The only reason that he is doing all of this is because Iran burned our embassy, lest we forget. Okay, the Iranians burned our embassy last week, and that was after engaging in a year of full-on aggression, attacking ships in the Straits of Hormuz, the, going after Saudi oil facilities, shooting down American drones, firing on American bases, trying to kill American allies, arming terrorist groups ranging from Lebanon to Yemen. It's, so this, this notion that Trump is like itching for war, it's just a bunch of horse crap. It's just a bunch of horse crap. And by the way, the idea that we're going to sort of slide into a war with Iran and that Trump is, is doing all of this because he wants to telegraph a war for the 2020 election, and this is just like Iraq, it's like people have no memories in this country. Yeah, the Iraq war was telegraphed for a full year. George W. Bush went to the UN for resolutions six, seven, eight months before the war in Iraq began. It was the longest telegraph punch in human history. This is not a telegraph punch. Trump is just trying to reestablish a deterrence that didn't exist under Barack Obama because Barack Obama was too busy bribing the terrorists. So you may think that this is brinksmanship by Trump. It's also called reestablishing deterrence. It turns out that appeasement lowers your level of commitment to the possibility of conflict, but it heightens the other side's willingness to seek conflict, which is what we've seen over the past several years, over the past decade or so. But according to the media, chances with war have never been greater. Now, as you'll see, this is not actually true. The Iranian strategy has shifted from we are going to pursue acts of violence to we are going to try and pursue political ends in places like Iraq to minimize the American footprint. 
That's their actual strategy right now. It is not to engage in vast amounts of violence against American troops overseas. They know that that will end with Ayatollah heads not being connected to Ayatollah bodies. Instead, what they are seeking to do is pursue political ends in Iraq that are designed to push the American troops out of Iraq and therefore give Iran yet another foothold in the Middle East. And that's a smart thing to do. It is. The United States ain't going to listen to it because the fact is that the Iraqi government, unfortunately, is dominated in many ways by Iranian front groups. This is one of the reasons why they've had thousands of people protesting in the streets against the current sitting prime minister of Iraq who's stuck between Iraq and a hard place. Literally, Iraq and a hard place being Iran. But if you watch the media, we're on the verge of a draft. We're not on the verge of a draft. If you watch the media, oh my God, Iran's going to pull out of the nuclear deal and they're going to... They've been doing this for months. Oh my God, Iraq is passing a resolution that says that America has to get... That's a non-binding resolution. Like right now, what Trump is doing is not riskier than what was happening when the United States was simply bending over backwards for the Ayatollahs and allowing them to be as violent as they wanted to be across the entire Middle East. But here is the latest breaking news. So the crowds were out in Tehran chanting death to America. My favorite thing about the news is that so often it is not new. So the the UK Daily Mail says angry crowds chant death to America and hold signs vowing revenge at funeral of top Iranian General Qasem Soleimani after he was killed in U.S. airstrikes as thousands hold U.S. anti-U.S. rally in Tehran. Wait, wait, you mean they're holding rallies in Tehran where they don't like the United States and, and chant death to America? This is brand new. I've never heard anything like this ever before, except for every year, every single year I have been alive and years before that, since 1979. Death to America is a thing. It's been a thing for quite a while. And massive rallies where they burn American flags and talk about America is the great Satan. Yeah, that, that stuff, that, that's nothing new. So if you're just tuning in now, you're coming in like season 21 of this thing. Okay, if you just discovered the Simpsons now, you're like 20 years too late. If you just discovered that the Iranians don't like America, meaning the Iranian government doesn't like America and that they can get thousands of people out in the streets in a country of tens of millions of people, they can get a few thousand people out in the streets to yell about America at gunpoint. Well, shocker, it turns out they've been doing this for quite a while. Meanwhile, Iran has vowed to hit 35 U.S. targets and unfurled the red flag of war as America said it expected retaliation within weeks. That retaliation is likely to come in the form of probably terror attacks on proxy groups, right? In Yemen, on the Saudis, maybe on the Israelis. Iran vows to hit 35 U.S. targets. My favorite is that they unfurled this red flag of war over a giant mosque. Right, which, which, which obviously says important cultural site and peaceful place. If you are unfurling flags of war over your holy sites or storing weapons in there or letting terrorists hide in there, which has been historically a thing. If you look at, for example, Israel's wars with, with Hezbollah or with Hamas, very often people hide in mosques specifically because they know that the West is never going to attack those places. The war in Iraq, this was a very, very common tactic. Afghanistan was a common tactic as well. When you unfurl red flags over your mosque declaring war, okay, it wasn't us that just declared that site a war site. You did. And you know what we don't do in the United States in the middle of a war? Unfurl war flags to let people know that a war is coming over our big churches. In, the, in, in any case, Iran pinpointed 35 key U.S. targets for revenge after its top general was assassinated, according to The Sun. Hours later, rockets were fired near the U.S. embassy in Baghdad and at an airbase housing American troops. Now, again, we're going to pretend that this is something new. This is not anything new. It's not anything new at all, actually. It turns out that rocket attacks against American bases in Iraq have been going on for months on end. The two attacks came just hours after mourners chanted death to America at the funeral for Qasem Soleimani. A staffer, a senior congressional staffer, said that 
A retaliation attack from Iran could be seen within weeks, either at home or abroad. The staffer said there's no indication there's going to be a de-escalation in the near future. The only question is how bad the retaliation is going to be. Tonight, Lebanon's Hezbollah told Iraqi soldiers to leave U.S. bases. The Islamic political and militant group also warned Iraqi soldiers to stay at least 1,000 meters away from American military bases from Sunday onwards. What they're trying to do is carve off the Iraqis from the Americans. That is not likely to be a successful effort because the Sunnis in Iraq know that the minute the United States leaves, guess who's going to be on the wrong end of the Iranian gun? It ain't going to be the United States anymore. Missiles also rained down on Baghdad's Jadria neighborhood, wounding five people. The chilling flag display was seen as a clear warning that the Islamic Republic is ready to fulfill its worrying flag, fulfill its worrying pledge. Chillingly written across the war flag were the words, those who want to avenge the blood of Hussein. It was, ho- it was hoisted above the important Jam- Jamkaran Mosque, which is on the outskirts of the holy city of Qom, about 100 miles south of Tehran. And meanwhile, the U.S. Fast Response Force has flown to the Middle East. According to the Associated Press, being a U.S. soldier in a fast response force sometimes means being sent halfway across the world within a day, leaving no time to say goodbye to those staying behind. That's what happened when April, to April Schumer, when her husband, a member of the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, got the call. Her husband was among hundreds of U.S. soldiers deployed Saturday from Fort Bragg, North Carolina to Kuwait to serve as reinforcements in the Middle East amid rising tensions following the U.S. killing of a top Iranian official. So the United States is preparing enough forces that it can respond in case of the Iranians upping the aggression. And by the way, it was the Iranians that upped the aggression. Okay, this thing did not start with the United States. Anytime Iran wants to enter the family of nations, all they have to do is stop acting like a terror state, but they're not going to do that. But it's funny to watch members of the left and members of the media suggest that it's America that is deeply terroristic, that it's America that escalated this thing. Now, America is just reestablishing lines that were blown away by the Obama administration and ignored by the Obama administration. It's called deterrence. It is called deterrence. President Trump, for his part, is, is fighting back against all this. We'll get to Trump's response. We'll also get to the supposed two big stories over the weekend. The media really playing up Iran, quote unquote, pulling out of the nuclear agreement and the and the claim that the Iraqi parliament has voted in favor of getting rid of U.S. troops. We'll get to that in just one second. First, you know that this year is going to be a crazy news-filled year. We're like three days into the news cycle, and it's already nuts. But with the upcoming election, impeachment attempts, the Iran situation, Democratic cage matches, there's a lot coming up. We know you need to know everything that's going on. The best way to stay informed on all things 2020 is to become a Daily Wire member and get comprehensive news and opinion from us on demand. So we are giving you 20% off all memberships today. It's the last day today, like now, do it now. It's the last day to get 20% off all memberships when you use promo code DW2020. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, select bonus content, access to the mailbag and more. Plus, our new all-access tier gets you into live online Q&A discussions with me, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, Michael Moles, plus our site's writers and special guests with all of the crazy election updates coming Let us answer your questions and guide you along this path as we move toward November. Again, that is promo code DW2020 for 20% off today and today only. Join today. Stay informed on all things 2020 related. Again, that's promo code DW2020 for 20% off. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so what are the latest escalations? Well, there there are a few escalations. One, again, the, the Iranians are going to use their proxy groups. So there was, in fact, a, in, an attack on a U.S. military base in Kenya. One U.S. service member, two defense contractors were killed. The likelihood that that was connected in some way to Iran's global terror network, probably pretty high. As I say, proxy attacks by terror groups on Americans are 
possible and likely. But the main thing is going to be trying to attack American allies, not America directly, because the Iranians are on notice that if they move too strongly against the United States, there will be other people who end up the same way that Soleimani did, the last thing going through their brain being a missile. So what are their major moves? Well, according to the New York Times, Iran has now ended its nuclear limits as killing of Iranian general upends Middle East. The consequences of America's targeted killing of a senior Iranian commander are mounting. So now they're very upset. So they're pulling out of the nuclear deal. Oh, they're not pulling out of the nuclear deal, by the way, worthwhile noting. They're ending abiding by the limits on the nuclear deal. In fact, Javad Zarif, who is, again, their terror-friendly foreign minister, he says, there will no longer be any restriction on number of centrifuges. This step is within JCPOA, and all five steps are reversible upon effective implementation of reciprocal obligations. So in other words, they're not pulling out of the Iran deal. Iran itself had to refute that claim. So that is, that is not correct. Also, the other story, which is that the Iraqi parliament had voted to get rid of American troops, which would create sort of an international crisis, because then would it be legitimate for America to have its troops in Iraq? It would create a serious crisis for the Iraqi government, which is already operating in the absence of any sort of consensus from the Iraqi people. The current prime minister of Iraq is already acting. He's the acting prime minister because he resigned a few weeks ago because so many of his own people were angry with him because they see him as an Iranian tool. But the bottom line is that the Iraqi parliament made a non-binding decision request. Okay, they requested cancellation of assistance to the U.S.-led anti-ISIS coalition. They requested to expel foreign troops, a state monopoly of arms. They filed a complaint about the United States. They wanted an investigation of U.S. bombings, but it's non-binding. Okay, so in other words, that was symbolic. It's being treated as non-symbolic by the media, as though Iraq is on the verge of throwing America out of Iraq, which, of course, is not true. Trump himself responded to this. He said, well, if they do that, then we'll put sanctions on Iraq, too, because at that point, it's pretty obvious that Iraq is a tool of Iran. The the notion that the Iranians were abiding by the nuclear deal and therefore the nuclear deal was the be all end all is just ridiculous on its face. The fact is that the nuclear the Iran nuclear deal was designed so narrowly that it only accomplished one thing and then declared that all problems had been solved, which is sort of like, you know, some a patient comes into a doctor and says, I have cancer and I also have a cold. And the doctor is like, well, you know what? Here is some here is some cold medication should work on the, the, the runny nose. You're healed. Like, well, wait a second, what happened to the cancer? Wasn't the cancer like a big problem? No, 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 I saw, listen, I solved the problem that I was here to solve. I was here to solve the cold. I was not here to solve the cancer. Okay, that's what the Iran nuclear deal was. It was, okay, we're gonna give you like a little, we'll give a little Band-Aid so that the Iran nuclear program is put on hold for a little while. After 10 years, they can develop it fully in coordination with law. And also, in the meantime, we're just gonna let the cancerous Iranian support of terrorism occur with additional funding. In fact, we are going to feed the cancer. Okay, that was the Iran nuclear deal. So the fact that Iran has now said that they are violating the provisions of the centrifuge agreements, they could do that at any time. Okay, that was always the threat. And the notion that the, the Trump administration is somehow responsible for the Iranians acting like terrorists is simply ridiculous on its face. Pompeo, by the way, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, who is largely seen by outside sort of analysts as, the, as one of the driving forces behind the Soleimani strike, he was asked about the Iraqi prime minister calling for U.S. troops to leave the country. And he was like, no, I, no. OK, this guy is he's already not acting under a legitimate color of law because his own he, he resigned. Right. He's the acting prime minister because his own people see him as a tool of the Iranians. Here's Mike Pompeo. 
What you see on TV well, this is, is, hap- is happening at the Trevor direction. Rock, who is yes, talking about this the, right the, now? The having expelling the, 5,000 U.S. troops. The acting prime minister of Iraq who resigned because of massive Iranian interference in his own government's ability to execute sovereignty and independence for Iraq. It's why he left. But and the Iraqi the parliament States, has now voted to it approve is uni- it. It is the United States that is prepared to help the Iraqi people get what it is they deserve and continue our mission there to take down terrorism from ISIS and others in the region that is in defense of the Iraqi people and is good for America, too. Okay, what Pompeo is saying there is absolutely correct. If you have a proxy prime minister of Iraq who is basically just an Iranian tool and he's telling you to leave, why would you possibly listen to that, especially when it's endangering American assets and when the Iranians are engaging in greater and greater terrorism and are, are crea- this whole thing is designed to deter Iran from regional aggression? So you're going to pull out because the Iraqis who are now run by Iran are telling you to? Like, how does that make any sense? Okay, so President Trump responds. And President Trump always responds in the most blunt possible way. And people are going crazy over this because Trump is tweeting things out. Oh, no, he's tweeting things out. Ah! Okay, let's be clear about this. If President Trump were the most well-spoken president in American history, if he were Abraham Lincoln and George Washington combined, if he was their love child, and if he had said in the most articulate possible way that Iran cannot be allowed to expand its terroristic threat, and should they threaten American allies or assets, then we will act to the fullest extent, not only to prevent that, but to deter that in the future. There would not be one fewer shriek on the left. Because you know who used to say that? Barack Obama. The reason that the left didn't shriek about it is because they knew Obama was lying. Obama always used to say, all measures, all measures, they're on the table. All They're on the table. Ranging from appeasement to kissing ass to appeasement. All of those are on the table. Also military force, but mostly... Just appeasement and kissing ass and also appeasement. And the left was like, oh, my God, what an articulate, oh, what an articulate, unbelievable man this Obama is. Because they knew that the military force was never on the table. They knew that deterrence had not been established with Iran in the same way it was not established with Syria. The same left that is that is so just upset about the, the, the possibility of any violence being done to deter Iranian violence. They were perfectly sanguine with Barack Obama blowing up Libya allowing the Arab Spring to completely topple regimes that were friendly to the United States in many cases and make way for Muslim Brotherhood regimes in places like Egypt. They're perfectly happy with Syria turning into a complete and utter hellhole, a hellscape with half a million dead and millions of refugees because Barack Obama did it. He was a good president because he's Barack Obama. And we know Barack Obama, articulate. Also, Barack Obama, wow. I mean, like, just brilliant. Wrecked the Middle East, but brilliant. Donald Trump, however, very bad. Donald Trump, idiot, because Donald Trump just says in very blunt language what everybody knows we are talking about when we say deterrence. Okay, the basic theory of deterrence is this. If you punch me, I will end you. That's the basic theory of deterrence. Okay, in one sentence, you punch me, I end you. And so the idea is, oh, knowing that I'm going to end you, you don't punch me now. See, that's how deterrence works. You were just deterred from action. We use it with our children all the time. If you do X, I will do Y, and Y will not be proportionate. Y will be wildly disproportionate. If you yell at me, I will put you in your room, and I will take away your toys. And in personal in personal fights, okay, the idea is to establish enough of a level of deterrence that the other side does not cross you. What you don't want is proportionality. It's always amazing to me when you watch an international law. People are like, well, this was why it was so disproportionate. You know what proportionality leads to? Actual escalation. You know how we know this? This is exactly what happened. In Vietnam, okay, in Vietnam, there was an actual strategy undertaken by the Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara. And Robert McNamara suggested that we pursue a policy of what he called graduated escalation, in which we slowly increase the pressure on the Viet Cong, and sooner or later, they'd get the message. As opposed to the generalized prior to that policy of 
American overwhelming force. You hit us, we end you. That is a better way to deter action. Trump knows this. It also happens to jibe with his personal brand of testosterone-driven politics. So President Trump tweets this out and people lose their minds. So President Trump says, Iran is talking very boldly about targeting certain U.S. assets as revenge for our ri- uh, ridding the world of their terrorist leader who had just killed an American and badly wounded many others, not to mention all of the people he had killed over his lifetime, including recently hundreds of Iranian protesters. He was already attacking our embassy and preparing for additional hits in other locations. Iran has been nothing but problems for many years. Let this serve as a warning that if Iran strikes any Americans or American assets, we have targeted 52 Iranian sites representing the 52 American hostages taken by Iran many years ago, some at a very high level and important to Iran and the Iranian culture, and those targets and Iran itself will be hit very fast and very hard. The USA wants no more threats. Everybody goes nuts. They go nuts for two reasons. One, he mentioned that some of these sites may have cultural value. Okay, and, and AOC's like, that's a war crime targeting cultural sites. That's not how I read the tweet. What I read the tweet as is it's a military site with cultural importance, which, by the way, when you're talking about terrorist states, that's what they, they literally raised a war flag over a culturally important mosque. If they're hiding weapons and terrorists in there, he's just saying, I'm not going to hold back just because they're hiding weapons and terrorists in a mosque. Right? That's what Trump is saying. Right? AOC tweets out, this is a war crime. You know, uh, the same lady who presumably would like no sanctions on actual Iranian terrorists threatening to target and kill innocent families, women and children which is what you're doing by targeting cultural sites. No, that, no, no. It does not make you a tough guy. It does not make you strategic. It makes you a monster. Did, did he say about targeting innocents anywhere in there? Or families and women and children? A- anywhere in, that, in those tweets? And Trump tweeted, they attacked us, we'll hit back. If they attack again, which I would strongly advise them not to do, we'll hit them harder than they have ever been hit before. Right? This is a very basic, brusque way of establishing deterrence. And then Trump goes to sort of his, his sort of you know, typical shtick about people owing us money. The United States just spent $2 trillion on military equipment. We are the biggest and by far the best in the world. If Iran attacks an American base or any American, we'll be sending some of that brand new beautiful equipment their way and without hesitation, right? Trump is just going to say this over and over. Now, <coughs> is that believable or not? For the most part, it had not been until he killed Soleimani. Now it's suddenly believable. And then he was getting all sorts of flack from the media. He didn't notify Congress beforehand. He didn't notify Congress before he did all of this because maybe he had short notice. He doesn't, it is not required under law that the commander in chief of the United States military notify Congress when he already has authority to strike. And by the way, he did have authority for this strike. And so Trump facetiously says, these media posts will serve as notifications to the United States Congress that should Iran strike any U.S. person or target, the United States will quickly and fully strike back and perhaps in a disproportionate manner. Such legal notice is not required, but is given nevertheless. Fine. But people, oh, wow, that's so polarizing. You know what's polarizing? Suggesting that killing a terrorist with full legal authority, is somehow not okay. That's kind of polarizing. By the way, even Jay Johnson, who's the Obama Homeland Security Secretary, said, yeah, of course Trump had the authority for this attack. If you believe everything that our government is saying about General Soleimani, he was a lawful military objective. Mm -hmm. And uh, the president, under his constitutional authority as commander-in-chief, had ample domestic legal authority to to take him out without an additional congressional authorization. Um, Whether he was a terrorist Mm -hmm. or a general in a military force that was engaged in armed attacks against our people. He was a lawful military objective. Okay, so there's Jay Johnson basically spelling out for the Democrats a fact. And Trump repeats the fact, and it's only bad when Trump says it. The fact is, by the way, our military leaders from the past who have been successful, David Petraeus with the surge in Iraq, Admiral Stavridis, both of them today, were out, over the weekend, were out there saying 
that, yes, the United States had to reestablish deterrence because Iran had not been deterred. Here is David Petraeus saying that. What has happened here, I think, uh, is frankly that we lost the element of deterrence, uh, the component of deterrence that was seen as American will. Our, our drone, $130 million drone was shot down, did nothing significant in response. 5% of the world's oil production taken out of uh, operation numerous attacks on shipping, and then attacks on our forces, ultimately, of course, killing an American and wounding four of our soldiers. So ultimately, the, the president appears to have decided that it was necessary to take an action to shore up deterrence mm -hmm. to show that we were not going to accept this. Okay, Petraeus's perspective is Trump's perspective, and it is right. You may not like Trump's language, but tough. Okay, the, Trump is trying to reestablish a deterrence that had been lost during the Obama administration. It is indeed that simple. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then a quick thing that I hate. So things that I like today. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is actually quite an enjoyable film. So I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I think that his best film is still Reservoir Dogs. Quentin Tarantino to me is sort of less a filmmaker than he is a YouTube maker, meaning that he has so many great scenes in these movies and the movies don't really fit together all the way. The last 15 minutes of this movie are just glorious. So my wife, who hates brutal violence and is not into it at all. She was watching the end of this movie with me, and even she was laughing hysterically at the end of this movie, which is brutally violent. I mean, it is horribly and brutally violent, but it is also some really, really funny stuff. <laughs> the, the movie itself, Brad Pitt, is great in it, and, and so is DiCaprio. DiCaprio sort of playing DiCaprio a little bit, uh, and, and he's pretty fantastic. Again, it has scenes that don't really hold together, but overall, it's an enjoyable film, and really what the film is about is the death of American masculinity in film. Right? That's, that's really what the, the movie is about. What the movie is about is Quentin Tarantino lamenting the fact that masculinity in film was sort of lost and that the new Hollywood European wave of the 1970s killed off a lot of the old masculinity in film. And so it's his lament for old Hollywood. And it's also his statement that new Hollywood should have integrated with old Hollywood and taken in some of those old Hollywood values because the whole film is about this old Western star who is not appreciated by Hollywood and has to go abroad to do spaghetti westerns in order to sort of reestablish himself in the film industry. And his buddy, who is a stuntman, who's the most masculine character in the film, right? He's a, he's a character who had been a World War II hero, and then he comes back and he's a stuntman. He can beat the crap out of Bruce Lee and this kind of thing. The, the movie, again, is pretty great. And in terms of the, the value system that it promotes, he's basically saying that Hollywood has forgotten what it's like to be a man and has, and has lamented what it is to be a man. And that when you don't have real men in society... Or culturally, when you, when you disparage real men, what you end up with is greater violence, not less violence. So in its own way, a take on the Iran situation in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Not really, but kind of. Here is, here's a little bit of the trailer. Here I am, flat on my... Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh. <laughs> okay, so first of all, the, the, there's so much that, that's really good and true about this movie. The critics were sometimes all over the the Tarant Tarantino for the great sin of not having given Margot Robbie more lines. Margot Robbie's a central character in the film. If you really believe that the number of lines in a film is representative of how important characters are, it's because you've never seen a film before. It's called a film because you watch it. Okay, if it were an audio recording, that would be slightly different. It's got a lot of great scenes. There's a lot of good stuff in this film. I really enjoyed it. I think that they're, they're... This has been a pretty good year for film, I'll be honest. Like I thought last year was a terrible year for film. I've seen a bunch of, of good movies this year, really at the end of the year, and 
Cool. That, that's kind of a neat thing. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Okay, so speaking of Hollywood celebrities who are just complete doofy and who we're supposed to take seriously about Iran, apparently, Colin Kaepernick tweeted in response to the killing of Soleimani. And he tweeted out, this, of course, is the famous quarterback who's a great American patriot. Don't let anyone tell you different. Just because he knelt for the national anthem and wore socks with pictures of cops as pigs on them. Don't let anyone tell you that Colin Kaepernick is not the height of American patriotism. Dissent is patriotism. And the height of dissent, treason, is the greatest form of patriotism. Colin Kaepernick was a patriot, such a patriot that he got a Nike contract for kneeling because sometimes you have to stand up even if it means losing everything or kneel even if it means losing everything or kneel even if it means getting a million dollar contract from Nike or kneel even if it means getting rid of the Betsy Ross flag on sneakers. Well done, Nike. So who is Colin Kaepernick, this great civil rights hero, this icon standing up to American aggression? He's one of the, what a garbage human being. Here's what he tweeted over the weekend. America has always sanctioned and besieged black and brown bodies, both at home and abroad. America militarism is the weapon wielded by American imperialism to enforce its policing and plundering of the non-white world. So in other words, he's angry that Soleimani was killed because this was about Iran. He, he was angry that Soleimani was killed and he called it an act of American imperialism to kill a terror leader who was killing, by the way, almost entirely black and brown people because he is a garbage human. Okay, garbage humans tweet stuff like this. This is a, it's, it's a ridiculous, ahistorical proposition. First of all, America has always sanctioned and besieged, always sanctioned and besieged black and brown bodies, both at home and abroad. Really? So you're going to have to explain to me what World War II was about in Europe. Because it seems like uh, they were fighting Nazis, and the Nazis were pretty white. Also, it seems as though many of the black and brown people that the United States has had to go to war with in the past were mainly killing other black and brown people. Like That was sort of the, the big problem. If you think that American foreign policy is driven by white, black, green, yellow, blue, you are wrong. That is just a lie. That is just a lie. And the notion that has anything to do with like the historic legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, that we killed Soleimani because we hate brown people. Like what in the F? Also, this American militarism is the weapon wielded by American imperialism because nothing says imperialism quite like expending trillions of dollars for no actual monetary benefit to the United States. Nothing says imperialism quite like not actually just taking over Iraq and running it. Nothing says imperialism quite like involving ourselves in conflicts around the world for protection of human rights, like in Yugoslavia, for example, because we're policing and plundering the non-white world, plundering the non-white world. Has Colin Kaepernick ever spent like any serious time in other parts of the world? One of the things that you will notice about the way that so many people on the left operate is that when you look at anything long enough, you start to see shades in it. And when you start to look at anything, just right up close, you start to see shades and variations in textures, shades and variations in, in the actual color scheme of, of the thing that you're looking at, any object, just visually. If you pull back from the object and suddenly you see it contrasted, suddenly you recognize, oh, wait a second, in sharp relief, there's not that much contrast here, but with the rest of the world, there is a massive contrast. Right? If, you, if you pull back from a, from a graphic that is black and gray, and you see all the variation, you're, you're like right close on it, you see all the variation between black and gray, and then you pull back and it's on a white piece of paper, suddenly that black and gray graphic Right, that black and gray square in the middle of the paper, it looks very different in contrast with the white paper all around it. Okay, the same thing is true when it comes to viewing America in the world. If you look at America and you're real up close on it, 
It's like viewing a Surratt painting too close. All you see is the dots. All you see is all of the flaws in the painting. And then you pull back and you're like, oh, the rest of the world, most places are garbage. Most places are really horrible to live. Most places have facilitated mass murder. Most places facilitate great human suffering. Most places are way worse than the United... Like all places, in fact, are way worse than the United States on the vast variety of topics. And yet you get Colin Kaepernick suggesting that it's American militarism that's really the problem. This ahistorical, ignorant, racist crap is just that. Ahistorical, ignorant, racist crap from Colin Kaepernick. Well done, Nike. Just well done. But it wasn't just Colin Kaepernick celebrity sounding off on all this. You get Michael Moore, one of our, again, moral betters, talking about the Iran situation. Michael Moore, who declares that he, he likes Cuban health care. Yeah, he should go there for his weight loss program. Michael Moore tweeted out, Hello, fellow Americans. Do you know this man? It's a picture of Qasem Soleimani, responsible for hundreds of American deaths, responsible for terror attacks all over the world, responsible for keeping his own people under the thumb of a brutal dictatorship. He said, hello, fellow Americans. Do you know this man? Did you know he was your enemy? What? Never heard of him? By the end of today, you will be trained to hate him. You will be glad Trump had him assassinated. You will do as you are told. Get ready to send your sons and daughters off to war. Okay, so much is idiotic and wrong about this. First of all, your sons and daughters, if if by this he means there's going to be a draft, there ain't going to be a draft. I saw people posting this article over the weekend. People are calling up the selective service and asking about the draft. Yeah, they did this with Iraq too. Was the draft reinstituted? The draft is never coming back. It's not a thing that's ever going to happen again. But Michael Moore saying that, that Soleimani was not your enemy, but now you've been trained to hate him. Most people hadn't heard of Osama bin Laden even after the USS Cole until 9-11. Did that mean he wasn't our enemy and he was actually just a nice guy with a beard? Or in Colin Kaepernick's view, a brown person attacked by the United States? Michael Moore, what a, what a moral imbecile he is. Just an absolute moral. But don't worry, he, he, that guy sat alongside Jimmy Carter at the 2004 Democratic National Convention. It was Michael Moore and Jimmy Carter in a box at the 2004 DNC. Don't tell me about the moral superiority of the Democratic Party. Do not start that nonsense. And then you get Cardi B, who has endorsed Bernie Sanders, is my understanding. Because Bernie Sanders, again, the greatest, wisest, and fairest among us. Cardi B tweeted out, nah, these memes are bleep, but bleep ain't no joke, especially being from New York. It's sad this man is putting Americans live in danger. Dumbest move Trump did till date. I'm filing for my Nigerian citizenship. All right. I think the world can live without your your brand of so-called music, Cardi B. If you you really choose to live in Nigeria, if you think that you are rich and famous and safe in Nigeria, have at it. Enjoy. Truly, the level of astonishing ignorance on the part of our celebrity class, it's what Ricky Gervais was targeting at the Golden Globes. Absolutely correct, because look at these dolts. Look at them. Hey, Michael, like, I understand. Cardi B is not considered anybody's idea of an intellectually, except the left. I mean, the left have actually promoted videos of her endorsing Bernie Sanders as though her position on politics is well-informed. Colin Kaepernick was actually touted as a thinker, right? He's actually touted as a civil rights hero. He's been on the cover of magazines as somebody who's leading the fight for change. Michael Moore has been featured by the Democratic Party for years. So blurring the line between ignorance and absolute moral ridiculousness it's these. So I'm supposed to trust these people like this. I'm going to I'm going to take this seriously. This is the perspective. And make no mistake, when you hear the more highfalutin Democrats talking about how Trump is endangering the world, they just don't like the fact that Trump has given the lie to 10 years of bad foreign policy by the Obama administration, pulling out precipitously from Iraq, allowing Iran to fill the gap, allowing Iran to fill the gap in Syria, paying the Iranians off 
Right? All of that was a failed foreign policy. It was obviously a failed foreign policy. And reestablishing deterrence is designed to prevent war, not to create war. As Mike Pompeo says, he says, listen, we're correcting eight years of appeasement here. And you all want to pretend that Barack Obama had this under control. The only reason you think that is because you're is because you, you were born yesterday or possibly last night. We suffered from eight years of Iranian support from America. We gave them billions of dollars. We gave them resources. We allowed com- countries to trade with them to build up their economy. What we are now having to correct for is the enormous economic activity that took place during this Iranian nuclear deal that President Trump rightly got out of in May of 2018. It's taken a little bit of time and it will continue to take time, but we are going to restore deterrence. Without deterrence, America does not have a workable foreign policy because otherwise you now make it that America may have to fight three or four separate wars, real wars on all different fronts. The purpose of deterrence is the least possible expenditure of force to prevent the broader use of force by one of our enemies that would necessitate us using broader force. The Obama administration's plan is you just pay these people off until the alligator is big enough to eat you or at least take off a limb. That was an unsuccessful strategy. Trump recognizes that that, that's what's going on. The United States will not end up in an overt, massive shooting war with Iran. There will be low-level conflict for a while here, but if if deterrence is reestablished, it really boxes the Iranians in. It's a real problem for them. This is what Pompeo knows. This is what Trump knows. And you may not like how Trump phrases it, but tough. Barack Obama phrased obviously foolish moral ideas beautifully. Donald Trump phrases good moral ideas poorly. I'd much rather have the latter than have the former because in the end, the content of the moral ideas implemented in the world the content of the of the useful defense ideas implemented in the world is much more important than how they are articulated, especially because everybody knows what Trump's saying anyway. Now, he may be brusque, but everybody understands that what he's saying is you hurt us and it's going to hurt you a lot worse. All right, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of comment uh, of commentary. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producers Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, associate producer Colton Haas, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera, production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey everybody, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Ah, the horror, the horror. Trump has destroyed the enemies of America in the Middle East, and comedian Ricky Gervais has destroyed the enemies of America in Hollywood. Democrats, hardest hit. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 